Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Millicent Rovello, and I'm here with my very well-coiffed and very well-groomed and dressed co-host, Dr. Jay Calvert. How are you? I'm coiffed. You are, because with these headphones on, your hair looks way better than mine does. Mine kind of gets uncoiffed. You know, I think what it is is it's separate pressure points. And mm. you and when you put on the you know you've got a lot of like big hair stuff yeah. going on and then when you put the headphones on your hair like fights back it's like a protest <laughs> it just says I'm I'm not going in there it really does not like being told what to do it likes to like do its own thing absolutely <laughs> that's not that's neither here nor there neither hair nor there <laughs> moms can make wow. jokes too um, is that a mom joke it's a that's mom a mom joke, joke. oh my god. <laughs> I can't even imagine what the mom jokes are, but I've got some good dad jokes. But today, today specifically, what we are here to talk about is the SMAS. We have done a lot of talk recently, a lot of podcasts about facelifts, specifically the deep plane facelift. We've been talking about that sort of ad nauseum, as has the rest of the country, it seems like. But really what it comes down to is the SMAS. Dr. Calvert, what is the SMAS? Okay, I had to look this up because we just say SMAS all the time. SMAS, SMAS. Oh, it's a SMAS lift. It's a deep plane. It's a this, it's a that. The SMAS is an anatomic structure that was uh, identified by Mitz and Peyroni, which are two plastic surgeons from Paris, uh, one of which I had the distinct pleasure of hanging out with in Berlin on a facelift panel. And the SMAS is an acronym for the Superficial Muscular Aponeurotic System. <gasps> ding, ding, ding. That's true. Now – don't, don't get it twisted, people. We definitely know what the SMAS is, and we work on it, and we treat it all the time. But yes, sometimes we forget what those acronyms are that we, that we use all the time. Yeah, because we just say SMAS. That's SMAS. Yeah, just SMAS, yeah, just yeah, SMAS that. <laughs> hey, you got any SMAS over there? Give me some SMAS, all right? But really what it is, is it is this layer of fascia. So if you're looking at the anatomy of the face and you're doing a cadaver study or something like that, you have the skin, which is obviously what we see on the surface. Below that, you have a layer of subcutaneous tissue or fat, very thin layer. Some people have thicker layers. And then below that, you have this SMAS layer, superficial musculoaponeurotic layer, and it is a cover sort of for all of the deeper structures under the face, all of the structures that are very important. This includes muscles, it's nerves, it's all of the things that we really want to protect. And this is a protective layer, but it's also a strength layer. And it goes all the way from the top of the forehead down to the bottom of the neck and goes through various, you know, sort of different changes, but it's all one connective layer. Yeah, I mean, and it's contiguous with the platysma muscles, which gives you those bands in your neck. So right. when we're dealing with the SMAS for a facelift, we're talking about uh, either the mobile SMAS, which is where we kind of do the deep plane facelift, or the fixed SMAS, which is the fascia over the parotid kind gland. Closer to your ears. Yeah. So, and like, that's the thing is we've done all different kinds of SMAS facelifts. I, I, I've always talked about Dan Baker and his SMASectomy. Uh, Jack Owsley taught me how to do the SMAS flap and same with Bruce Cannell. I spent a lot of time in Santa Ana on Fruit Street with Bruce Cannell learning the uh, SMAS flap with him. And now I've kind of come around to like I'm I'm a deep plane guy. I like it. And I, and I did deep plane facelifts. You're not even going to believe this. I did a deep plane facelift first in 1997 in my resident clinic on – a patient in Pittsburgh who worked 
uh, right in Shadyside. And I got to watch this thing, this, you know, amazing facelift age so incredibly over the whole time I was in Pittsburgh. But then she sent me photos like for every year for like <laughs> 10 years after. And I'm telling you, that was probably, and she did it when she was 44. And I, I don't think she ever needed another facelift. And now, granted, she lives in Pittsburgh and there's no sunshine there. So <laughs> you never get any UV rays. But this mass facelift really worked great. And it was a deep plane. And, and I was doing it based off of the work of Tord Skoog, uh, who's uh, a guy who wrote a book in like the early, early 70s about doing these composite mass facelifts. And that's what I did. And so this is not a new technique, although if you ask any of the Instagram plastic surgeons, they definitely invented it, uh, which is odd. But, uh, you know, that's that's not the case. The, the no. case is it has been around for years and the technique is powerful. But this is not just about the deep plane technique. This is about this mass. And you can that's treat right. it in a barrage of different ways because – the SMAS is definitely the strength layer of the face. So instead of putting all the tension on the skin to hold it up, you dissect out the SMAS, you cut it, you trim it, you do whatever you need to do, and you put sutures in it, and that's what's holding the face up. Then right. the skin is just redraped over it, and those sutures are tiny, and they're just designed to reapproximate the skin, but they're not holding it together for its you know life. But the other thing about separating out the mass from the skin is that you can get different vectors of pull. So you can pull vertically on that mass and really get the jowls and the lower face to come in one direction, and you can redrape the skin in another. So you can adjust the facelift vectors as needed to really create a smooth, harmonious result. Yeah, and it's all, it's all about how you set up to do that. And, and this is where... You know, we were we were in um, Miami, and there was a huge facelift panel with you know all the the guys that are you know doing different types of facelifts. And Susan said it best. He said, "If you go to a good plastic surgeon, you're going to get a good facelift, no matter what technique they use. No, right? No matter what. Any any facelift that you're getting in 2023, the surgeon's going to be doing something to your smash. You're not going to get a skin well." If you're going to a legit plastic surgeon, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the lunchtime facelift procedures that are out there. But if you're going and getting a legitimate facelift, then your surgeon's going to do something to the SMAS. It can be as simple as a plication where you sort of just fold it on itself and run a suture layer through it. It can be a SMASectomy where you take a strip out and then suture it together in the vector that you want. Or it can be the deep plane where you actually enter it a little bit farther out towards the mouth, go under it, get closer to the jowls where you need more of a lift and pull it up from there. You can do a SMAS flap where you divide it and go in different vectors, all kinds of things that you can do with the SMAS. So the deep plane is not a brand new novel idea. It's just a way of treating the SMAS. Absolutely. I mean, uh, there was one panelist in uh, Berlin who showed... Uh, about 12 facelifts. He said, I guarantee, and I don't know what you get for the guarantee because <laughs> it, it, it didn't work. He goes, I guarantee you cannot tell which of these facelifts were smash plication and which ones were deep plane. And he would show them and he'd say, okay, which one's this? And I'd be like, that's a plication. And he'd be like, okay, it's a plication. I bet nobody could do that. I got it right. <laughs> and what about this one? I go, that's a deep plane. 
Yeah. Oh, and this one's a deep plane, but you can't tell the difference. I could totally tell the difference because I know what to look for. You know what to look for, but I'm sure they were all great results. They were great results. They were spectacular, but I could tell the difference in technique because I'm a plastic surgeon. Right. I'm a, you know, I, you know, it's, it's, and it's, it's irrelevant that you could tell the difference because the patients all looked awesome. Right. right. And so the technique isn't what you're buying. You're buying a plastic surgeon that gets beautiful results, and that's what you want. They hide the scars. They make it so that you know you don't look like you've had a facelift. You and and there are so many good plastic surgeons doing these operations that you can get it done. You know where you live. Typically, um, does it help to go to somebody that's doing a lot of these? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there is no substitute for experience. And you want to see a lot of before and afters on their on their website that you go, you know, these people look really normal and great. Right. And there's a big difference between doing a facelift on a 65-year-old and a 45-year-old. There are two Each. totally different operations. We all struggle with the 65-year-old trying to have, a, have their first facelift when the skin is, you know, draped down from their chin right. directly to their right. sternal notch. I mean, that's that operation is really different than somebody who's starting to show some jowls and their faces become more boxy and they're 45 years old. And they're like, you know, I don't want to start to look like my, my mom or my grandma and let's do this. Two different situations. Totally different. Two totally different results. Yeah. And, and everybody who does facelifts will tell you that those are two different operations. And they'll also say that it's much harder the longer you wait. So much harder. Yeah. Sometimes those patients need two. You know, they'll need the first one. And then if they really want to get it cleaned up, yeah, they may have to come back in a year or two and, and get a little more skin removed. Yeah. So that's a, another plug for why you should do your facelift early. <laughs> well, there was a guy uh, who had, he basically did facelifts on 60 and 70 year olds because of where he lived in Florida. And he said, he just tells them that one year he's going to clean up their skin. Oh, he nice. just kind of includes it in the price. He's like, it's not going to be perfect. Your skin's ruined. You live in Florida. You're, it's like trying to lift shoe leather <laughs> and this isn't going to, it's, it'll be good. It's going to be right. really good. You're going to look way better, but it's not going to be the way that I want it. It's not going to be the tightness that I want. They're, they're, like you, you, you have to recognize that there's a limit to the anatomy. And if you pull too hard, you get wide scars. And if you get, if you don't have good support and there, there's all these things that we're up against as surgeons that are a lot easier to do when you're younger. Yes. Agreed. And then when you come in, like I'm going to in my you know, <laughs> mid, mid or late fifties to get this facelift done, then, you know, you're going to have the surgeon kind of cursing you a little bit. Like, ah, I should have done this 10 years ago. Ah, this is, ah, well, why am I, why well, I got to work so hard? <laughs> Don't you think? Yes. There will be some cursing at your facelift. <laughs> you're already planning. You've already got the, you, you'll know the parts that are going to be hard on you too. Well, and that's, that's it. So, you know, I got to hang out with Vladimir Mitz in, in Berlin. I got to, to talk to him and we went to, uh, the director of the, uh, of the meetings house for dinner, which was really great with all sort of the foreign faculty. There were only two Americans there, me and uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Melinda Hawes, uh, who's the president of the aesthetic society right now. And then everybody else was from Brazil and from Paris and, you know, all around the world. It was great. Uh, but Vladimir and I got to talking and I, when I got there, I said, I need to get a picture with you because I want a picture with a living legend. And he had his, blue outfit on and he, he looked <laughs> awesome. Like he's just, the guy's a total stud. Like he's stylish and cool. And, you know, he was there with his, you know, amazingly articulate, you know, 
girlfriend from Greece and who's an actress and like he's, he's just super cool. So he, uh, you know, and then we talked over dinner and at the end of dinner he goes, you know, I I, I need to get a picture with you because I want a picture with a future legend. And I was oh. like, I said I'll I'll take that. So we got pictures. It was super fun. And he he just is uh, he's such a big thinker and he's you know he's done so much for you know plastic surgery and for people's self esteem and. You know, we talk about facelifts a lot, like, oh, this is like something you need to do because like you're getting old. It's something you need to do for your self-esteem, for your Mm self-confidence, for how you feel about yourself, for how you respond to the world. I mean, the the effects of a facelift are so powerful for people that I, I think that gets lost in the mix of just the fact that people do that. Right, because how many times do you hear... I don't recognize the face that I see in the mirror or how I feel on the inside does not match that person that I see in the mirror. There's a disconnect between how people feel about themselves and then how they are viewed or how they view themselves on the outside. And the facelift is really helpful at sort of making those two better harmony. Yeah. And and that's, and we don't talk about that. We talk about, oh, they look great. Oh, they look awesome. It, what it does for their soul is so it's so powerful. Right. I mean, we see it all the time. I, I wanted to study this. I think I've talked about it on here before, but and the IRB at UCI basically sent me a letter. You're saying that that facelifts are healthy for people, and I said that is what I'm saying. Yes, because mm-hmm. my patients would lose an average of ten pounds. They would travel more. They had more social interactions. They uh, earned more money if they were in if they were working in a sales job for sure. All these things radically changed, and that's good for you to feel good about yourself and to live a more healthy lifestyle and to try to match your behavior to the face that you see. And I, I, I'm always so disappointed that that what we do gets broken down to like, oh, they look great, right, right. It, it, it's it's more not than, about it's that. More than that. It's sure. way more, and and for people to not understand that is is unfortunately a, a shame because we see a lot of people like, oh, I want to grow old gracefully. I want to do this. I want to do that. It's like, okay, you can do that, but why not look awesome? Why not, you know, and maybe they think that does look awesome, so that's good for them. That's great. And then then you're perfect. You've done it. But if you're looking and saying like, I don't like these bands. I don't like these jowls. I, like, oh, I, I look like my, my grandmother. Why? I don't, I don't, why? That's when you start exploring the, the options to having facial rejuvenation because it's not just a rejuvenation of your face. It's a rejuvenation of your person, of your soul, of your who you are, how you receive yourself, how others receive you. It's a big deal. Wow. That was a, that was a big jump from our initial SMAS anatomy talk, but I like it. I got very I – got, I, got, I got emotional. I got moved by yeah. that. So straight from a future legend – This is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at ravelloplasticsurgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. G. 
Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Bye.